The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Friday, December 18th, 2020, season 16, episode number 83. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, presented by GEICO. We will be talking about Cowboys versus San Francisco 49ers. That happens this Sunday at noon. Uh, and in order to get ready for that, we got to start with the injury updates. Um, Zeke Elliott. He has not practiced all week. Mike McCarthy said this morning that he's a little bit behind because he actually played last weekend. Jerry, in a later interview this morning, said he fully expects Zeke to play. My question for you guys, and I'll start with you, Nick, why risk playing him if he's not healthy at this point? Well, I mean, if yeah, if you wouldn't. You're not going to play him if he's not healthy. If he's not healthy, I don't think he plays. If he's healthy enough to play, then I think he plays. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I mean, he's... he's uh, He's he's your top running back, and he he got games to play, and you know they can still make the playoffs. So I mean, if he's healthy enough to play, he plays. Dave. Yeah, I mean, and that's the classic difference between fans and media and the team itself. Is you know you don't have to believe that they're going to make the playoffs, but they're mathematically still alive. If Zeke's healthy enough to play, he should play. I mean, that goes that again. First of all, you know, also, Zeke Elliott wants to play. He's a competitor. He wants to win. He doesn't care about draft order and any of that stuff. And he makes $15 million a year. So get out there and play some football if you feel up to it. I, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. What do you think, Amber? No, I, I agree. I think that, well, I think that I would, my hope is that the medical staff uh, is doing their job and being careful with him, a guy like him and all that but if it was up to me I would not be playing it but that's out of my control and definitely not my decision I would sit him out and just chill over there watch the game from the sideline you're good but he seems like if he can play he's gonna play the interesting thing about the secondary right now is that just as their game looks like they're gaining guys they're also seemingly losing guys because you look at their injury report. There are guys that played last week when they had so many guys out that are now on the injury report. So, Dave, catch us up um, as far as the the cornerbacks and safeties. Who's looking like they're up and who's looking like maybe they're down? I'm leaning toward thinking everybody's up. I, I'm, are you talking about Xavier Woods? Who's supposed to be down? Yeah, I mean, Xavier Woods, you had Rashad Robinson. There were several guys that were listed on the injury report that either did not practice yeah, or were limited. Yeah, you're right. I did. I forgot. Last week, yeah. I forgot about Rashad. Uh, I think Xavier, I think that's that's a, a caution issue. Mike McCarthy didn't sound overly worried about it today. And then he came out and opened his press conference by saying he's optimistic that Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs, and Donovan Wilson can all play. So, and and we, I mean, Cheeto is coming back. We've known that. So, um, there's still way more guys coming back than potentially going down. Um, yeah, Richard is interesting. I'm not, you know, he hasn't practiced yet this week, but I do think Xavier Woods will be available. So, I think it's way more likely they have guys available than not. And on a week like this, I would assume that's a good thing for them right now. You look at all the guys that, that they will, will need this week against a team. that Again, this isn't a great team, but certainly they do some things that can, can confuse you, that can trick you. Eye discipline is something that Mike McCarthy yeah. actually talked about this morning, and that's not something we've seen this team be very very good at. So you would, you would think that they need this. They need as many hands on deck as they can. Well, I mean, you're trying to make San Francisco a one-dimensional team. You want them to throw the ball. I mean, that's what you want. You want to force Nick Mullins to try to win the game. And so if he can, they can get him to do that, then obviously it'd be better to have your your you know your pieces back there in the secondary, uh, a, a group that hasn't played together really all year long. So that that would be good, um, you know, if they can do that. And and frankly, San Francisco, you know, the Cowboys have had tons of injuries. San Francisco's had more. Yeah. I mean, San Francisco is more beat up, I think, uh, than than what the Cowboys are. You know. And, and, Looked at it yesterday. The Cowboys had three Pro Bowlers on IR. I mean, San Francisco's got four, and that didn't even count their quarterback, who 
we all know when the quarterback goes down, that changes everything. So they, they've had more injuries, I think. Yeah, I've re- I read that they have roughly about $70 million in their in cap space currently on IR uh, for their team. I think the Cowboys are somewhere in the range of 60-something million. But, yeah, whatever you can say about the Cowboys and what they've been experiencing this season, you can probably say the same thing about San Francisco and possibly a little bit more mm-hmm. than what the Cowboys have been. And, and their record reflects it. They're 5-8. and eight, Cowboys are 4-9. and nine. Um, Let's go ahead and talk about the preview, though, between the Cowboys and the 49ers. Dave, you wrote an interesting article uh, where you talked about the fact that you look at this 49ers team and you think really it sets a blueprint uh, for maybe what the Cowboys should be aspiring to be. Lay out, the, the I guess, the foundation of what you were saying in that article. I mean, it's really it's something that I've been thinking about since Dak got hurt, and it's um, something that I've I've probably talked a lot about over the course of the last two months. But and and I think you might have you said something like this earlier this week, Derek. Is you know, are you a bad team because you're awful and you don't have any talent, or are you a bad team because of bad breaks? And you know, the Cowboys aren't the most talented team in the league, especially on defense, but. This strikes me as a season more about bad breaks. You know, like if if they've got Dak and uh, their offensive tackles, like even if only some of those guys get hurt, you know, maybe you're not contending for the Super Bowl, but you're definitely alive in the playoff picture, maybe even leading the NFC East. You know, this is probably a an eight to ten win team if if, you know, a few more things go their way, in my opinion. Uh, and so it reminds me a lot of the 2018 49ers. They finished 4-12, and and a lot of that was bad breaks. They had a lot of injuries that year, none more important than Jimmy Garoppolo going down in Week 3. They slumped to a 4-12 and record, um, and that was coming off a year they had gone 6-10. and Actually, I forgot about this. They started the 2017 season 0-8. They trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. They go six and two over the second half. They finish six and ten. They were a trendy pick to to be a playoff contender. Jimmy G goes down week three. They finish four and twelve. Again, probably more about bad breaks than how bad their roster was. And sure enough, they draft Nick Bosa number two overall. They draft Debo Samuel in the top five of the second round, and they started the next season eight and zero and made it to the Super Bowl, um, which. I wrote in the article, I was like, I'm not trying to convince anybody the Cowboys are going to make it to the Super Bowl next season, but you know they're going to have a chance to add four or five really talented draft picks to a roster that I don't think is that bad, and hopefully they're going to have better luck with injuries. I just I think this is more of an aberration than a sign that this team is, is headed for dark times. I think they can turn it around very, very quickly if they do smart things in the offseason. And Nick, Dave talked about bad breaks. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that at least some of the bad breaks that the Cowboys experienced were predictable? In which case, maybe the Cowboys should have had a little more prep or should have been a little more prepared to sustain them. No. Okay. No, they don't. They, I think their swing tackle was the, probably the best swing tackle that they've, they've added. I thought, I mean, a first-round pick in Cam Irving, I thought that was about as good as a, of a swing tackle as we've seen. Andy Dalton. But here's the thing. The interesting part about that is the coaching staff didn't think so because they didn't even think that he was better than well, who, who are you Terrence talking Steele. about, the coaches, or are you talking about Jerry and Steven? Either way, all I'm saying is when they brought him in, whoever brought him in, I don't think the coaching staff necessarily saw the well, same they, level of player once well, they got to the point of the regular season because they were really willing to start Terrence Steele. Yeah, I, but they loved him. They loved Terrence Steele, okay. and, and they shouldn't have. And they've proven right. that. And they've proven that. I mean, we know that they love Terrence Steele. They come back later and put Cam Irving at left tackle, and he's been fine, and we all know he's better than, than Terrence. So whether he, whatever he was dealing with, and I don't know what he was dealing with in training camp. It was kind of a weird deal. Um, but anyways, they, they were prepared – to have a pretty talented uh, swing tackle. They were obviously prepared to have uh, their best backup quarterback that they've had. So, you know, I I don't know if you say it was predictable that it was coming. I mean, I I think they they tried to to bolster their depth. And, you know, Dak said it. The healthiest team wins. He said it way back in the Mm -hmm. summer. And ironically, they're one of the least healthiest teams and they have one of the worst records. Amber, do you think any of these uh, bad breaks were predictable? I mean, there are things that I think were more under their control, things that happen as far as, and not looking specifically at the offense. Uh, The offense, obviously, we know how much they've been affected by these injuries that are definitely 
unpredictable. But as far as like the uh, the defense goes, I mean, you look at guys that they had to get rid of, free agent guys, veteran guys that they decided to cut, and these were guys that they themselves brought in here, didn't work out, they said bye. Then you got guys, I mean, when you really look at the D-line and the linebackers, I mean, what's really the, the excuse there? You only really lost, um, I guess, two guys, two injuries. I mean, there's been guys that have been banged up, but the defense as a whole, there were so many other things that I feel like were, was more under their control and that they could have adjusted better and done things differently to start seeing maybe an earlier change during the season rather than waiting this far down the line of the season to seeing some motivation and some explosiveness like in the uh, in the game against the Bengals. So I think it, it's a mixture of so many different elements combined together. And when you look at the offense, even when Dak was still in, I mean, they were still struggling. They got better in the second half of the game, but that was not an offense that was perfect by any means it was still having their own struggles so it's just a combination of a bunch of different elements things that were under their control and things that just they they there was no way that they could have predicted dave do you expect that some of these bad breaks that they had this year are predictable for next season so they should be more prepared to sustain some of them what are some of the things that you're concerned that that they may that happen this year that you may still see some remnants of it next year So I, you cut out for a sec. Is that directed yeah. at me? Yeah, that was directed at you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was saying what what things no, happened good. this year that were bad breaks that you think could be that you could still see remnants of next year. I mean, I would love for them to find a way to ease our concerns about the tackle spot. Um, and I mean, a, dra- a draft pick is basically what I'm saying. Not necessarily in the top ten of the draft, but. You know, a guy that you think can play right away because, you know, this is year five in a row that Tyron Smith has dealt with injury issues. He's only 30, but he's been playing in the NFL since he was 20. I mean, that's a lot of mileage. And you know, I I don't know this, but, you know, Lyle Collins' hip problem, like you're basically talking about a situation where he didn't have, like, any cartilage on his hip. Like, his hip bones were grinding against each other, and that is a troubling thing to hear about an offensive tackle. So... I'm optimistic that those guys will be fine, but I don't think you can just leave it to trust. And so, you know, that's a situation where, you know, they they I they need to address that one way or the other rather than just run it back and hope that it'll be fine. I mean, there's reason to believe that it will, but you can't, you know, hope is not a strategy like they always say. So that's the one thing that that, you know, I have my eye on is just how can you keep the offensive tackle health from holding you hostage again next year. When you talk about bad breaks, Nick, do you think that you would factor Leighton Van Der Esch into that? And is that something that going into next year, if you're going in knowing he's going to be a starter, that you better be aware and be better be prepared that he may miss games looking at his injury history? Or do you think it's just these are all just kind of fluky type things and so I don't you don't really worry as much about it for the future? I think you factor that in when you're looking at the linebacker position and you say, okay, what what do we've got to do next year? You know, we've got to get better at this position. We don't I don't know what you can expect from Sean Lee. I, I would imagine he's probably not coming back. I mean, but if he's not helping you that much, I mean, you got to you got to get a better third linebacker. Maybe you know draft a young guy in in hopes that okay, if Leighton is banged up, we could play this guy, or we need him as our third linebacker, or maybe he's better than Jalen Smith. Whatever it is, I mean, I think it's a position of need, and Leighton's injury and history of injuries is part of that. Yeah, you guys concerned, Amber? Are you concerned about Leighton's history uh, as as a as a player that that seems to be injured often? I am. I've always been one that, that is always concerned about reoccurring injuries in the same area of the body. So it, it is something that concerns me. It, it really sucks to see that certain areas that we really thought coming into the season, we really thought that the Cowboys were set, you know, as far as depth and talent. And then it turns out that it just didn't work out, whether it, it was injury related or just performance wise. It it. This is going to be a tough offseason, trying to figure out exactly what you need, what you can get to reinforce this team, because they, after what we saw this year, I mean, they're not as 
set and secure as far as like backup guys I, as at least me personally I thought they were beginning this year so th they got a lot of work in their hands and a lot of areas of concern all throughout the the roster both on the defensive side of the ball and the offense as well yeah it's interesting you say that I actually look at it and when we were back going back to training camp the two positions I felt best about were the two positions that ended up being, in my opinion, the biggest problems, the offensive line and the linebackers. I thought going into the season they had good depth at each one. I thought they had good play, good front-line players. I thought they were gonna, those were going to be the strengths of both the offense and the defense, and it ended up being just the opposite. That tells you about the NFL. That's yeah. the nature of the NFL. As soon as you start thinking something's good in the NFL, it'll flip on you, no doubt about it. Yeah, I can't see one position that you would look at. It will slap you in the face. <laughs> yeah, right. Can't see a position that you wouldn't just say, "Yeah, we don't need to draft this one." You know, the only one I could quarterback. See, uh oh, I don't know. No, I mean not, not in the first round, but okay. I'm, I'm just saying I wouldn't. You know, I think they're going to sign him. But what if Dalton doesn't come back? I still yeah. think that's something you would consider. And wide receiver, maybe not. But I mean, who knows how long Mario will be here? You know, he's only signed a three-year deal. So, I mean. And Gallup's going to be free agent in a couple of years. So, I mean, any every position. That's just every position across the board you could make a case to, to draft. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Cowboys versus the 49ers. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizal for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Cowboy fans, finish up your holiday shopping at the Dallas Cowboys Pro Shops with up to 40% off new gear for the fan in your life. The Pro Shop has a huge selection of cold weather gear and the hottest holiday gifts. Tis the season for football and holiday fun. Visit any of your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shops throughout DFW and at Entry A at AT&T Stadium for all the holiday savings. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios presented by Geico. Uh, before the break, Dave laid out the blueprint that San Francisco went through in order to uh, get themselves from where they were in 2018 to being a Super Bowl team. And it's hard to remember. Like That seems like ancient years ago that they were in Super Bowl. Literally, last year, they were a Super Bowl team. And, and so my question for you guys is, how likely do you think it is, based upon uh, where you think Dallas will net out um, and their ability to draft, that they can get those kinds of impact players and enough of those impact players to where they can make themselves a serious contender next year. Let's start first with you, Nick. Well, I mean, they, I think they, they're going to need to get a really talented defensive player. There's no doubt about it. a difference maker like San Francisco did. But I also feel like you know the 49ers were bad for a while leading up to that and to, to, to get some some talented players on the defense. But 
you can make the case that Cowboys have been doing that on offense and stacking. You know, they, they had a, a better offense play. So you, you need a difference maker. You need to get a guy, a couple of guys on defense that, that can, I can help turn this around. And, you know, you just look at the schedule this year. I mean, you know, it, it, I think uh, Dave and I talked about this the other day. I think the Cowboys would have gone eight and eight this year, even if Dak doesn't get hurt. You know, I, I, really? I, yeah. I mean, they were two and three before he gets hurt. It's hard to tell because those three losses didn't seem like they were very good losses. But the the, the Browns, the Seahawks, and the Rams. And all Rams, three the, I think, are the best team in the NFC, personally. All those teams are really good. And they were close games. Yeah. Ram, Browns kind of not. But, you yeah. know, they almost. So I'm just saying, I think the Cowboys would have – would have done better with with Dak, you know, and but I, you know, eight and eight, maybe better than that, nine and seven. It's just kind of hard to tell because those three losses were actually better losses than it looks like. Do at you the time. do you think they would have been eight and eight if they had at least one of their tackles with Dak? Which one? <laughs> Tired. <laughs> Give me either one. Whichever one you think is better. Tyron and Dak. I mean, uh, yeah, they'd be. They better than they needed that. Yeah, point. yeah, ten, ten. So you wins. think? So you actually think? I guess, and I'm not. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Tell me if I'm wrong. But what you're saying really is, Dak wasn't as big of the problem. The biggest problem was the tackles. Uh, I just, I think both of them. The defense was so bad that they had to rely on the offense to just outscore people. And so you need all of your weapons Got if it. you're going to outscore people. So it's it's just both. All right, Amber. What's the question? Uh, I, I mean, like I it. might not give I, <laughs> right. I might not give such a, an intellectual perspective as maybe Nick or Dave, whatever he's about to say. Mine comes more <laughs> from the heart, my feelings. Okay. And this one, it's a tough one because you talk about all the needs that the Cowboys have right now, and look into these off season, all these different things that need to improve. And my concern is, and I've always wondered, okay. How long does it really take a team to kind of put all these different pieces together and make it work? And my issue is I've been watching the Cowboys for, what, six years, seven years, something like that. And during this time, every year I go in with high expectations, thinking, okay, this is it, and and they're going to make it work, and then it doesn't. So maybe I'll feel again next year, but right now, as today, as we stand here, I feel like... I, I don't see, I, I'm not very hopeful that it can happen for next year. Just because, again, you talk about the um, long, lifespan, lifespan of players, you know, every year. These good players that you have, there goes another year that it was wasted and for nothing. And there goes another year. And then, honestly, seeing the transition from the team when I first got here, you know, the Tony Romo, the Jason Witten, and then seeing the transition into a new younger team and then seeing these guys that you got to meet and, and follow and, and become a fan of and seeing that there was not really a great result and now you got a whole new team in and then now you begin that new transition and that new lifespan there with them and then every year it's like okay now we see Tyron Smith now okay we might be saying bye to Zach Martin and then Lyle Collins now and and then now Zeke getting into problems of performance on the field so it's just very confusing, very frustrating, and I don't have an answer. And right now, as of today, like I say, I just don't feel very hopeful at this time, seeing all the needs that the Cowboys currently have. All right, Dave, you want to maybe make Cowboys fans feel a little bit better? <laughs> Amber just squashed their hopes and dreams <laughs> my, for next season. My favorite, my my favorite Jerryism in the world is uh, because I think it's the most true. Is that you have to do? You have to have a tolerance for ambiguity to work in the NFL, or you know, to to you know, to cover this stuff. AG doesn't doesn't have much of a tolerance for ambiguity. <laughs> That's what we have learned. Is she needs certainty, and you just don't get it in the NFL. Um, I mean, and look, like I said, like I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare suggest that the Cowboys are well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't dare suggest that the Cowboys are like a couple chess moves away from playing in the Super Bowl because they haven't done it in forever. You know, the only other franchises in the NFC that haven't even been to the NFC title game since the last time the Cowboys made it are Detroit and Washington. And we would all say that those are like two of the most embarrassing franchises in the NFL. So that's the company that you keep right now. And there's nothing you can do about it other than work to get better. Um so I don't, you know, I'm not going to suggest they can go from this to the Super Bowl in one year, but 
it really like it's it's not the NFL is so random like you can you can pull these things off with one or two moves like Nick is right the 49ers have been bad to mediocre for a while before they had last season but like they didn't build this super team with these drafts you know they drafted Solomon Thomas third overall bust of a pick Reuben Foster really good linebacker got kicked off the team can't stay on the field for anybody Dante Pettis was their big top 50 receiver not so good um you know Eric Armstead pretty good player he's still on the team but he's not this badass DeForest Buckner was and they turned right around and traded him so to go back to Amber's point you're only ever living like a year or two at a time like this idea like the 90s Cowboys where you can keep a core of a team together for like six seven years it just doesn't happen anymore so we know the Cowboys currently have the talent to be like an eight and eight team that's where the, that's what they were last year I agree with Nick they were on that trajectory this year before everything happened and so you go in and if you draft well and add two hopefully three or four really quality players I wrote in the column yesterday thanks to the Byron Jones comp pick they're gonna pick four times in the top 100 or near it like they're gonna have four of the first 105 106 picks in the draft assuming they don't trade any of them away and if you do your job right that should be at least three players that can make a big impact right away um so I don't think it's crazy that this team can be better next year like I said I'm not saying Super Bowl but you add that type of talent to the roster that you already have and get some better luck, yeah, like you could win 10 to 12 games with what you have here. I legitimately do think that. Yeah, and it's what we talked about yesterday. You you really just need a middle-of-the-road defense. And now that is assuming that you can keep all your offensive players on the field and healthy, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can keep those guys on the field and healthy, all you need is a middle-of-the-road defense, and we think this team can be a, a contender. Like I think this team could go and make some noise in the playoffs. Who knows what happens when you get in the playoffs? That's all a one-game prospect. But you would have the team that could position you in that way to where you could make a run. Um, and, and that goes back to the defense. And I think they, are, they were so bad this year, that's what makes it seem like it is just an uphill battle to get there. But I don't know. I think maybe a couple players that are playmaker types – could actually get you to the point where you're middle of the road, right? Yeah. I mean, especially if it's like a pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, if you get, if you bring in a guy that could be a difference maker right away, that changes everything. I mean, that's a one-second difference, but on them getting the ball out quicker. You know, that, that would help everybody back in the secondary. Or maybe a shutdown cornerback that really kind of locks things down, even though I don't know if I, that happens right away in, in, in pro football, you know, where a young corner Immediately comes in. comes in, yeah. But – there's some really good corners in the league, and, and you know they 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 might have a year that they sh- somewhat struggle. I mean, we see it with Diggs. I mean, Diggs is up and down. So if you get a better player than that, yeah, you could have some pretty good corners. Yeah, you get those two out there together, and you you get a little pass rush from from Demarcus Lawrence. You might be able to be working yeah. with something, and then it still goes back to what we've always been talking about this year. Your linebackers just got to play better, right? And and whether you change them out or whether you get them to play better. One of the two has to happen in order for your defense to be better. Those linebackers have to be better. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the San Francisco Cowboys matchup, particularly stuff about this weekend's game. I want these guys to tell you guys, you fans out there listening, something that they are going to be looking at this week. If you're not concerned so much about wins and losses, here's some things maybe you can keep an eye on this weekend uh, that may be things for the future. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. 
the Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Six Decades of Dallas Cowboys Football is the official book marking the team's 60th anniversary, featuring never-before-seen uh, never photos, recaps, and results from every season dating back to 1960, as well as behind-the-scenes stories and the top 60 players in Cowboys history ranked. It's the perfect gift for every Cowboy fan. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It is the final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. At the Star, we are presented by GEICO, and we are talking Cowboys versus 49ers. Here's my question for the crew. Uh, How many rush yards do you think Dallas needs to hold San Francisco under in order to be successful, and what is the likelihood that they do that? Let's start first with you, Amber. Uh, like 50, maybe they can make it. <laughs> that's a tough order. Wow. That's, yeah. Jeez. And so I guess your answer on the likelihood what of that about is the probably other, none. What like about 0%. the other three quarters, though? Like what happens in the second, third, and fourth quarters? What do we, what do we hope to God, 50. <laughs> Have they done it all season? Have they done it in the last five years? Held anybody under 50 yards rushing? Oh. <laughs> Houston's war- run and shoot offense, maybe, but who never ran. They never run, yeah. What did the Steelers run for? Because okay. they, they really didn't try to run. The they Steelers. didn't try to run. I don't know. That might be a good one. Yeah, no, but go ahead. I don't know. I'll, I'll be nicer between fifty and eighty around there. But no, I just it's like you. The thing is, it only takes a couple of big runs for it to happen. So I I think that. Right now, I just don't trust the Cowboys to to do that. And I cannot base my opinion on this last game, this win against the Bengals, because we know whatever. But And I know that the 49ers are not this amazing team either, but I just don't have much trust. Every time I look at plays, there's just so much confusion, so much slowness. I don't even know if that's a word, but they're just too slow. And if it gets away from them... It just gets away from them, and I, I just that that's has been an an important part of attack for an opponent. And if they are able to utilize that, the running game, that's that's gonna be it for the Cowboys because they cannot seem to come back from things like that. So um, I just don't think they they can actually make it happen, but hopefully they do. Okay, Dave. I'm actually looking at this right now. Um... I would put the number at about 120. If you can hold them below 120, I think you got a good shot to win the game. And eight teams have prevented the 49ers from doing that. So that, what, they've played 13? So in eight of the 13, they've been held below that total, and they've lost the vast majority of those games. Uh, The two wins that they won in that sample size, they had Jimmy Garoppolo. So Mm -hmm. when they can't run the ball at will and they don't have Jimmy G... It's not a recipe for success. Um, do I think the Cowboys can keep them below 120? Uh, I don't feel optimistic about it, but yeah, yeah, sure, maybe they can. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel great about it, but that's a that's manageable, I guess. They <laughs> gave up 300 to Baltimore last I know. week or two weeks ago. I'm still yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, Nick. I don't want to answer. It's 120. I don't know. I don't know whether or not they can do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in that range, 120, 150. You just don't get it out of control. You know, I'm looking at how. Okay, the, with the 49ers, you know, they, are they a better team than than their their record? I mean, obviously they play in a tougher division. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, if they were in the NFC East, 
would they be better? But then you go back and look. They lost to the Redskins. Mm-hmm. They've lost to the Eagles. Washington football team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that team. Um, football team. Football, football team. team. Yeah. No, I'm not calling them that. They're Washington. Because um, <laughs> they can't be the football team. I hate team. that. I hate when people <laughs> just say it without saying anything else. Right, they can't like, be the football yeah, team. Yeah, I think Broadus said it the other day. You know, it's the football team. I'm like, Buffalo's got a football team. Like, right. don't. I hate that. But anyways, uh, they lost to Philadelphia. They lost to Washington. They, you know, they're just... They're average, but but you just gotta you gotta put the quarterback in a position to try to beat you, you know. And I I I don't just don't think the Cowboys, I don't think they even load up to stop the run, you know. Like they don't ever do that. They don't ever sell out and be like, we know it's running, you know. Like I've seen some third and ones before, where I'm like, why are the linebackers six yards off the ball? Like, and why are there only two of them out there? <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I agree with you. They're stubborn with their run defense. I think one of their biggest problems in run defense this year is that they are not – they're hamstringing themselves. Like, they're not giving themselves the proper support. After games where they've just gotten completely run on, if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd be like, all right, guys, we're not going to get run on. Like, they may throw for 500 yards. But they're not going to run the ball. So if I got to put in three linebackers and three safeties, we're not going. They're not going to run the ball on us, and and they just don't do that. Like they're and like, we're going to stick to having four defensive linemen and two linebackers, and we're staying with nickel. Sorry, you just can't do that when you have Rashard Robinson and Savion Smith called up from the practice squad and say, hey, here here's your jersey, here's the locker room, and then now go play cornerback. Like it just doesn't work. These guys, you got to have better corners to play that that way. So it's just. It's been a it's been a show over there on defense. <laughs> All right, here's another question I have for you guys. Um, for fans out there that are not necessarily looking at wins and losses at this point, uh, they're more concerned just about what things you can glean from the rest of these games that may help or hurt you next season. Uh, give me one thing that you'll be watching this weekend. That's not really about the wins and losses. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a position group. Tell me one thing that you're going to be watching this weekend, Dave. Let's start with you. Uh, I think I've already said it this week, but I just I I'm so intrigued by the idea of them having the majority of their you know better defensive backs available. I really hope Diggs and Anthony Brown and uh, Donovan Wilson can all play. You know you so you know a, a secondary of you know Cheeto and Diggs on the outside with Anthony Brown as your slot corner, and then Donovan Wilson with either Darian Thompson or Xavier Woods. I just think that's interesting because, you know, it would be so great if you could watch this secondary for three weeks and kind of get an idea of what it looks like and who you like and who you don't like. Because if you just let everybody that's not under contract walk, then your only meaningful DBs left on the team are Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. That's and and Donovan Donovan Wilson, Wilson, excuse me. That's really all you got. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I, I'm intrigued by Donovan Wilson, but like so many people are just pegging him in as like, well, yeah, like he's your starter going forward. I, I'm not convinced of that. I don't know. I would love to see more. And and Xavier Woods, uh, Cheeto Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, like do these guys need to be re-upped here? Should they be? How much should they cost? All of that. Like that's the first step in fixing this secondary is figuring out who stays and who goes, and then you can make decisions in free agency in the draft from there. So, uh, you know, if they can all play, that would be really interesting to watch. Nick, what do you watch? Man, uh, I want to see the tight end position. Um, And I don't know if this answers the question, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. I I just don't know if, if you've got a number two tight end. And and I think I think Schultz is doing okay as he's pretty good as as the pass catching tight end, but they don't they don't block very well. Nobody does, and Jarwin included, really. And so Blake Bell was supposed to come in and do that. I don't think that's really been a success. And he's on a one year deal. I can't really imagine him coming back. I mean, maybe, but I, I. I but then what happens? You can't just say okay. Schultz and, and Jarwin, there's your first two tight ends. Because, again, nobody blocks on third and two. That doesn't help you. You need a tight end that can kind of go in and do that. So, uh, Especially with the three receivers and all the backs they have. So the tight end position is, is interesting still to me. Because Schultz is having success, but I don't know how much that helps you. Because I, I still think he might be their third tight end in a 12 package because of Jarwin and then a guy that needs to come in and block. Yep, Amber. 
I think this is a, a perfect game for people just to evaluate players and you can pick whoever I mean you can look at any position and find someone that you need to evaluate for next year because this is a game that although most people might not really care about the win or losses at this point it's still a game where the Cowboys are still gonna be playing to win the game because there's still there still is a chance to get to the playoffs so the will and the drive and the the effort is gonna be there, so you're gonna get that from the players as far as like um, intensity goes. But we know how training camp practices. We always see someone standing out, and then the game comes, and then it's like whoa, completely different than what we saw at training camp. So I think these three last games are just very important for evalu player evaluation, trying to figure out who you want to keep on the team or what position of, uh, you really need to reinforce uh, in the offseason because it, there's, you cannot really replicate game day performances. So I think that this is a game where fans can actually maybe take a step back from being like so passionate and angry or, or happy or whatever kinds of emotions, put the emotions aside for, for just a little bit and really take the time to look at players and see what they're actually doing. Even players that are not necessarily like having their balls in their hands, but look at what everyone else is doing around there because that helps a lot as well. So uh, I think that's, that's what I'm gonna be doing. That's what I'm gonna be looking at. And that's just, yeah, my perspective on that. Awesome, let's get one question from fans before we end the show and get to our picks. Amber, give me a question here. Sorry, you cut out. Can you repeat it? Yes, Ed, can you get a question? Let's get one oh, question, question, one fan question before we okay, end the show. Yeah. I, I have one here. Um, okay, Steve, he has a question about Jalen Smith. And Jalen got to talk to the media recently, and <laughs> he had some comments about... So they asked him if he was bothered that the Cowboys were flexed out of primetime this week. And <laughs> Smith, Jalen said, if the owner ain't tripping, we good. So... With that comment, Steve wants to know, what have we learned or confirmed about the team culture? What do you do with players with that kind of mentality? Can, I just want to say before you guys answer, I think it should be noted mm -hmm. that Jalen said that with a laugh. So I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that changes your opinion oh. on what he said and how he feels. But he did say it with a laugh. Maybe he was joking. I don't know. But I think that that should be pointed out. Well, I, also, I, that was only half the quote. I mean, he also, I think he answered it in a Jason Garrett way of saying, we'll play on Tuesday, we'll play on Wednesday, we'll play Thursday night, we'll play Saturday, we'll, we'll, we'll play whatever. And then he asked, the, he asked the media back the question on, does Jerry, you know, care about it? And so, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've learned this about Jerry. But it seems Smith. that that, Nick, it, it just... I saw a lot of questions on that because it seems that that specific part of the quote is what fans are picking out of from well, what he said. Well, right. Absolutely. I mean, Obviously. Right. Because that's what was put in the tweet of 140 characters. You know, I, I said this on the radio this morning. I don't know if you heard this. If, if I, I don't know who asked the question because I'm friends with all those guys. But whoever asked that question, it was had the was had a tweet ready to go they knew that it was going to be something they would they could probably because if if Jalen comes back and says what you want him to say you know what yeah I'm mad about that we're the Dallas Cowboys we're America's team we shouldn't be playing this we should be playing better we should be playing better we got two other guys tweeting out that Jalen's worried about himself worried about the wrong things worried about his brand worried about him why don't you worry about football instead of that so Jalen can't win we know that he can't win he 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 can't even get an interception and go 50 yards if he doesn't score you know and he gets killed for it we know that Jalen and he puts it on himself yeah right he puts it on himself but I mean that that right there who cares if they get flexed out they're bad this team is bad right I mean why is this even a big deal? I mean, I'll ask you guys that. Why is well, being flexed out this point in the year, why is that a big deal? I think it's a big deal because, as you and I know from being here as long as we have, even when Cowboys teams are bad, it's very rare, if ever, they get flexed out of a, of a primetime game, mainly because they still draw attention. Like, at the end of the day, this is still a ratings game for the television yeah. networks, right? And, and so it's not even about necessarily the matchup. It's about who's the biggest draw. 
And and there are a lot of fans out there. There are a lot of people out there that are football fans that have an interest in either watching the Cowboys win, yeah, or watching the Cowboys lose, right? And so there's still there's still ratings attached to the Cowboys. So that's the reason why it's a little startling. Yeah. Whenever the Cowboys would get flexed out of a seven seven twenty start. I'll, I have an opinion, but I'll let Dave answer. I did. I mean, I think the the player the player in question and. Point. And it makes me think of, you know, Jalen's press conference when he signed that contract extension and, you know, the detail that he went into about like the way that being a cowboy can affect your branding and like doing business deals with Jerry and all that stuff. Uh, it's I mean, it's very smart. He's a shrewd guy. But when things don't go so well, it also gives you the impression that are your priorities in the right spot? And I th- and, and it, it reinforces that when you're asking like what Jerry thinks uh, instead of being worried about the here and now. At the same time, the funniest part of that whole thing to me was like Jalen didn't even know it got flexed. Like, you know, football players are so not focused on the world around them. Like they're so not focused on more than just like moving step by step. He didn't even know the game was at noon, like which means he probably wouldn't have found out until like Saturday afternoon when, you know, the trainers wrote like, all right, be at the stadium by 915. He was like, wait, what on earth? Hey, but real like, quick, we real quick, Dave, I, when I heard that, though, I didn't get the impression he didn't know it had been that it was at noon. I got the impression he didn't know it had been flexed, like flexed out of the nighttime spot into the uh, noon. Like, that's actually had to be that's there. a really good point, you know. Yeah, that's a, you're right. I guess, but the 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 point being is like players don't think more yeah. than three four days ahead of time ever. I mean, you know, and and the game was flexed last week while he was focused on Baltimore and Cincinnati. Exactly. So you know, it totally went off his radar. Um, I get, I completely get why the quote annoys fans. I, I and but again, I think it's it's a Jalen specific thing because. There's a mountain of evidence that suggests that his priorities aren't in the right spot. I wonder if it would be, um, I wonder if it would be as big of a talking point if it was somebody else. I don't know. I don't feel but, super yeah. strongly about it either way. But um, you know, you said this is about ratings. Do you think you really think it is though this year? Do you, you think that it's ratings or more about perception? Because there's no way, there, there's no way in hell that the that the Giants and Browns are going to have a better rating than the, the Cowboys and the 49ers. No way. I don't know about that. I will we'll never know. Yeah, we will never know. But I, I don't know about that this year because Why? I be, because I do believe that Landry this year Jones and Baker Mayfield. I do believe that this year there is a difference in how again based on things that I've seen working in media. Uh-huh. There are things I've seen that that let me know there are differences this year in how people are consuming just all media, including sports. Oh. Um, and and in, and from that respect, I don't think it's a typical year where people might be in tuned in the ways they were before. Like I, I just I think there's a lot that's changed. And and because of that, I think that really I think the NFL had to give and the networks had to give people a game of consequence. Because I don't think it just the matchup alone, I don't think was going to draw in the same way it would have drawn last year or the year before. I'll put it like this. If this happened in 2019 without a pandemic, I don't think the Cowboys get flexed. I think this is a this is a unique set of circumstances this year. And we're seeing it all across media. It's not just sports. We're seeing it all across media. Just patterns have changed on how people view sports and how they view content in general. So I just think that that's way more what it's about is is the ratings personally. I but just, we'll never which know. Which also, right. yeah. Nick, I think I think that's why it's important, though. Because I think most people would agree with you. It's and that's why it's important that it got flexed out because the the cliche, the storyline is that the Cowboys can be in prime time no matter how bad they are, and like Tuesday morning, the ratings will come out, and we'll all be on Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, four and nine Cowboys and five and eight Forty ers still did this crazy big rating. America's team, baby. Right. Let's go. <laughs> still relevant, no matter how bad they are. The problem is, really, really important people who make decisions don't agree with that. Like they do not see the Cowboys as relevant, no matter how bad they are, and that is a problem. I mean, and like whether or not Jerry Jones wants to admit it, that definitely bothers him, and it should honestly, because it says." 
you know, this the star is this monolith, like it's the biggest thing in sports. But if your results aren't backing it up, that won't be true forever. All right, and real, that's why this is a talking point. Yep. Real quick before we end the show, let's get some picks. Let's start first with you, Dave. Which way does this game go? <sighs> I I hate it here. I hate having to. I I don't I don't I don't know. Um. If there, if I could just start a franchise, if I could start an NFL franchise with any coach in the league, Kyle Shanahan would be in my top two or three picks. Mm-hmm. So, in a game between two teams with so many injuries and so few things going for him, I, I trust the hell out of Kyle Shanahan to have an awesome game plan up his sleeve. I don't trust the Dallas defense uh, to do enough. Even you know, Nick Mullins is not good, so they they have a leg up in that regard. But I, like I said, I, I just trust Shanahan, and I think uh, I think the 49ers find a way to win 24-20. All right, Amber. Um, I'll just say real quick. One, I am not a Cowboys hater. And two, I'm just speaking from what I see. So right now, I don't feel like the Cowboys can win anything. So uh, that's what I'm going to go with. And it's more upsetting when you have a feeling that – you know what they could be and what they could that what they're possibly capable of and when you see when you don't see that result is that that's what makes it more upsetting so with that being said cowboys lose um i had a dream about the score but then i forgot after i woke <laughs> up but the cowboys lost anyway so i'm just gonna go with something like uh 2016 something like that it doesn't matter because they end up losing all right nick 27 24 niners Niners. All right. I got the message, too. Yeah. And I'll say real quick, I don't think the Cowboys will have as much success stopping the run. I think that'll be the big thing. I think Raheem Moster is probably in for a pretty big day. Uh, he's a guy that can run. And uh, and so he's a good running back that can run. I think that's going to be a problem for the Cowboys. Well, last week, Dave said that he didn't think that this Cowboy team should be all four picks. This 49er team doesn't need all four picks either, but yeah. it is what it is. I mean, it's a good point. They're not that good. No, but, they're not. But, but, but in this fine. under these circumstances, I just think the matchup is yeah. bad for them. Uh, I think this team, these teams are very similar, but I think it's the matchup. Cowboys lose. I think 23-20. I'm sorry, 23-17. All right, we'll be back on Monday. We'll let you guys know what went right and what went wrong. To them for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this?